This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest today is Selena Schwartzfeger, President of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. April is Financial Literacy Month, so today we're going to continue to learn about how Mississippians can increase their understanding of financial information. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or email the show money at mpbonline.org. So good morning to everyone. Hope that you're all doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, any excitement uh, this past weekend? Um, I kind of knocked my hip out, and I've been Uh-oh. hobbling around. Uh, old oh, age is... is setting in fast. Ooh, tell me more. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, were you... Playing, working? Uh... No, that's the problem. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. I was just like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> well, that I... That's I, annoying, isn't it? I'm Kevin? older than you are, so I can say this, but that's what happens when we get older, so... Are you sure you're older than I am? I think I am. Let's don't go there. Okay. Let's, not on let's the air. Not. Let's, we don't want to make that public. Please, no. Uh, because I'm the same way. I know when I play tennis, I'm like sore for... A good several days afterwards. Although I was gimping around the other day, and I went out and played tennis, and all the soreness went away. So oh, apparently, you got, you it's good for them. that. Yeah. We should yeah. stay active, right? I think once you get going, mm-hmm. you can't stop because it's all going to go downhill from there. Uh, what about some financial news in the news? Uh, well, I spent a little bit of time this weekend redoing my analysis for our uh, friend Henry. So uh, I hope he's listening because we can go over the, you did tax, your homework. the tax bracket analysis again. Yes. And okay. what did you find? I, it was the, basically the same as I had said before. Remind um, us if you, first okay. of all, what he asked about. So I don't what remember. we were discussing uh, is the, the tax cut, which... It starts for this year. Um, and a few very good points that Henry raised is the, the tax cut. It's a tax cut now, but the rates are going back up to where they were in a few years. Um, so, But they said they would make them permanent, Ryder. Did they? Yeah. I, I don't remember you know, they're that. They're making promises. Also, also uh, the one big thing about it is the tax cut on the business side is a lot more significant than on the personal side. On the business side, you know, the, the corporate rate, top rate going from 35 to 21, was right. it? Yeah. Uh, that's a huge, huge, huge cut. Um, and companies weren't even paying 35 to start with. So now they're not even going to be paying 21. Um, so but what we're seeing is a lot of those companies are using that cash for for themselves. Uh, share buybacks, <laughs> yes. And uh, I mean, yeah. uh, increasing dividends or doing special dividends. Uh, right. But right. that's what has been pushing the stock market. Yes. Uh, so so he's absolutely right. The cut for uh, corporations and for other companies is 
much larger than for individuals and for the individuals all of that is sunsetting in like six seven eight years uh so as far as as far as the analysis goes you can find this analysis a lot of places. Basically, every major bank has done this analysis because they p- feed this. This is money going directly to citizens. They feed this into all of the models that they have for what's going on in the world. But if you look at kind of there's you know the, the two two components it's how big the bracket is you know how much money you have to make before jumping into a higher tax bracket and then what that rate is essentially for a single person all of the for single and married all of those rates are lower except the 35% rate so that and that one stays the same or in the 10% but that's the first one um, and most of the brackets are higher so most of the time you have to make more money to move into a higher bracket and then when you get to that bracket you're still paying a lower tax rate on it so basically whatever way you slice and dice it you're going to be get, uh, paying less taxes additionally for a family with children uh, the child tax credit is doubled so you're better off that way but you won't see that until you file your taxes right. next year right right that doesn't go into your withholding or anything but that is when you file your taxes also one caveat I didn't look at um, I didn't look at the earned income tax credit which does apply to lower income households and I didn't look at a couple of, of other credits and I didn't actually build in the child tax credit um, but so Ryder, essentially what we're hearing of course people are having uh, they're seeing more money in their paychecks mm-hmm. but we're not necessarily seeing them spend that and we're seeing ac- uh, savings rates go up which we like to see savings oh, rates go yeah. up but yeah for savings rates go up is good for long term financial health um, it's not going to you know it's not add into the GDP today, but uh, it, it should it should strengthen things down the road. But similar to my analysis before, what I found was essentially everyone's getting about 3% off. Um, and that's 3% of your income. So for a married couple, it's a little bit higher because they they smoothed out a lot of the, the weird things about the uh, uh, married filing jointly brackets. And for indiv- uh, for single folks, it's typically a little bit less than three percent. So, and that varies a little bit from the withholding calcul the withholding table guidance, um, but it's it's pretty close. I'm talking within um, you know ten basis points for the most part. Uh, so across the board, everyone's getting about three percent more of their paycheck. Um, you know, if you look at the fifty thousand dollar level, I figure they're getting a twelve hundred dollar. Uh, cut tax cut uh, at the hundred thousand dollar level you're getting a twenty seven hundred dollar tax cut at the twenty thousand dollar level you're you're paying one hundred sixty dollars less in taxes that's for a single person but of course that is spread out over all of our paychecks right. that's and for so, the entire year um, that's how we all live uh, from paycheck to paycheck right. and right. looking at you know what are the extra dollars in this paycheck yeah so when you look at that you know is someone you know maybe earning thirty thousand uh, dollars you know five hundred dollars of of cuts I'm not sure if that I think that's actually a little less than the withholding, so you'll probably get a little you'll probably do even better on the withholding side, um, but that's less than 50 bucks a month, um, which for some people is going to be great. I think the withholding is actually going to be a little more generous than that, though. So um, that's that's the analysis. I hope Henry uh, was listening. Um, it's, it's very, very similar to the withholding data, though. All right, very good. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so why don't we invite uh, Lisa, who's called in from Gautier. Good morning, Lisa. Go ahead, please. 
Yes, I recently retired uh, from the state of Mississippi with PERS. I had Mississippi Deferred Comp as well. Um, I am 52. I was told by when I, before I retired, I, the Mississippi Deferred Comp representative told me I would not be penalized if I took any money out before I'm 59. But then I had somebody else tell me I would be penalized. And will that, do you know if I would be penalized? taking that money out okay and could this, I move it to a Roth IRA if, if you know I can't take it out well um, first of all you have two retirement plans which is the advantage of working for the state you have a pension plan which is PERS it's what we call a defined benefit plan which is just based on your salary and how long you worked and it's a calculation that says this is what we'll send you every month mm-hmm. and then you have the other piece which is like a 401k the Mississippi Deferred Comp, and it's a defined contribution plan. So you decide how much to put in, and you choose the investments that are within that plan. Now, one of my questions, and I'm not sure about this, because normally if you move this to an IRA, whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, you're under the guideline of you can't take it out without penalty before 59 and a half. Um, But some Uh, plans actually have 55 or they may have some qualifier in there which says if you're separated from service. So you're going to have to go back and talk to your human resources folks to see if that is correct. Um, Now, you can... That's the thing about it. I can't contribute to it anymore. Exactly. You can't contribute to it anymore. Now, you can move that. You can transfer it. You can do what's called a rollover, which is really just an institution-to-institution transfer. And so you open an IRA account somewhere else, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, whatever your choice is, and um, and then you fill out your paperwork with deferred comp saying, I have an IRA account over here. Please send my money over there. And so right. it doesn't actually go through your hands, even though they might send you a check, but it's not going to be made payable to you. So there are no mm-hmm. tax consequences at that point. Now, if you mm-hmm. do move it to a Roth IRA, which is what you asked about, then mm-hmm. whatever that amount is is remember it's never been taxed and this is a good move but you need to talk to whoever helps you with your taxes about whether you should do this whether you should do the whole thing to a Roth or maybe part of it because now you're moving from tax deferred to a tax free account right, right. Yeah, okay. but whatever that amount is for instance if it's 30000 if you move that whole 30000 that has never been taxed and so you're going to have mm-hmm. to report that and pay the tax on that which could be you know ten grand. So you really need to talk to somebody who helps with your taxes to see uh, what your strategy would be in that case. We've been doing that a lot, but normally we don't do it for the entire account. We just do partial conversions as we work our way into a tax-free account. Um, I I would add to that if – so some so the Mississippi Deferred Comp is a government f- 457 plan, which sometimes do allow you to withdraw uh, before 59 and a half. Uh, and they will have a plan document which says that. I've seen the plan document. I don't, you know, I don't have it memorized, so my apologies there. Uh, but if they do allow that, um, keep in mind that if you rolled it over to an IRA, you would lose that um, exactly. that ability. So if you did want to take if if taking withdrawals was possible, looking at the plan document, and that was possible, um, then I would say, and you wanted to do that, then 
go ahead and do that and wait until after your 59 and a half to roll it over to an IRA if that was part of your plan um, okay. because you want to keep that keep that under 59 and a half protect, because you never know what could happen that you might need that right right and so um, what I was wondering though is I have some like a car I'd like to pay off. If I pull that money from there, am I going to be penalized? And of course, I'm sure I'll be taxed on it. Well, I mean, again, you need to check with Human Resources and ask that mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. Um, based mm-hmm. on your plan document. Will there be a penalty? And okay. then, of course, you need to consider the tax that you're going to pay. And what's the interest rate you're paying on your car? It's low. I think it's. Ninety-two percent. Then don't do that. Low. That's probably a lot okay, lower. Okay. That's probably a lot lower than the tax you're going to yeah. pay to pay it off. Okay, you know, okay, okay, would you rather okay. pay? That's what I need to know. Yeah, yeah. Paying paying taxes. You know, think of that as an interest rate. You know, if you, you take yeah. out a withdrawal yeah. and you have a tax rate of twenty five percent on that, that's that's a lot higher than two percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. if you need help with making the payments, if you're a little squeezed, then just take out a little bit along the way to make the payments. To make the payments. Yeah, I'm good. Right, I can handle it. I just. Then don't do it. Okay. All right. Okay, that sounds good to me. All right. Hey, Lisa, thank you for your call. Let's uh, take a quick break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our guest in studio today is the president of the Mississippi Mississippi Council on Economic Education. We'll visit throughout the hour with Selena Schwartzfeger. We uh, have open phone lines. If you have a personal finance question, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. If you're not near a telephone, you can email the show, Money at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you ever missed part of a show or want to listen back to a previous show, one way to find that is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. You can also download our MPB public radio app and you can listen to money talks and all of our other programs on your schedule via your iPhone or Android. Uh, Kevin Farrell here with Nancy uh, Lotrich Anderson and Ryder Taft. We're visiting today with our guest, Selena Schwartzfeger, president of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. If you have a financial uh, personal finance question for us today, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got some open phone lines, so uh, give us a call if you have a question. So, Selena, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. First of all, tell us what is uh, the Mississippi Council on Economic Education and talk a little bit about the mission. We're an organization that exists for the purpose of educating our teachers, kindergarten through 12th grade, in a manner that they can go back to the classroom and effectively teach economics, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. 
Um, why do you think it's important to get uh, elementary school, uh, middle school, high school kids information financial literate, financially literate? Well, we are all, all of our children are going to grow into adults that make financial decisions, period. And so the earlier we can start with them um, and educate them on ways to make good decisions, the more likely they are to be adults that can be good um, citizens for our state. And we know from research that it's never too young to start uh, working with children on financial literacy as early as kindergarten um, is part of our mission. So, um, and maybe throw this question out to everybody, but, uh, you know, obviously if you're financially literate, it helps you personally with your finances. Does uh, does a nation of financially literate individuals help in like a collective manner also? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And, and. The backup for that is that um, people who can manage their own finances are less likely to go bankrupt, uh, we would hope. Um, They're less likely to be dependent upon um, aid from the government and um, more likely to have good employment where they're productive members of our society. And, um, you know, it's always risky to have an employee who's under financial stress. Correct. And so you have people who are much more productive, um, can contribute more when they don't have that burden of, oh, my gosh, uh, how am I going to be able to pay my bills? Right. And you don't want to have to deal with um, people who are having garnishments taken out of their paycheck. Um, So everybody benefits from a society that's financially literate. So have you seen uh, movement in in a positive direction in terms of educating more teachers uh, to help educate students about financial literacy? I have, you know, and part of the reason that I'm here today is because we are part of an initiative called TEAM, Treasurer's Education About Money, and we're really fortunate to work with our state treasurer, Lynn Fitch, in this mission. Um, She is a great spokesperson for financial education. Um, And so this initiative started back in 2012, uh, while the Mississippi Council was doing financial literacy education prior to that, she really gave us um, a voice in the state when Treasurer Fitch picked this up. Um, So since then, we have trained thousands of teachers in financial literacy. What Our primary program is called Financial Fitness for Life. Um, And as a result, each teacher that's trained reaches on average 100 students annually. So it's a really good investment of resources to make sure our teachers are knowledgeable. Um, and so tell us a little bit more about uh, the team initiative. Is it just uh, maybe sort of putting the weight behind it because it is the treasurer, the state treasurer, what are, or are there uh, other programs involved in this? There are. So um, there are two main programs that are part of team. One I've already talked about because that's my organization. The other is a product called EverFi, and it is a web-based um, learning tool that teachers can use in the classroom. It is provided at no cost to all of the high school schools in Mississippi. So there's really the all the barriers have been removed with the exception of perhaps not having access to good Wi-Fi and, and computers in the school setting. Um, all of the resources are there at no cost to teachers. All they have to do is be willing to figure out how to incorporate it into their classroom. 
This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Selena Schwarzweger, president of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. April is Financial Literacy Month, so we're talking about the work that uh, the council does. Also looking, as we do each Tuesday, for any personal finance questions that you have. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. Um, so, Selena, what, kind of as you're talking, I'm wondering, what does that look like in the classroom? Are we are, are y'all training them to do a full economics course? They integrating it into other classes? Right. What's, how that's does a that good, look That's for a the very kids? good question. And the answer um, is rather large, but I'll give you <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, so when we talk about economics and personal finance, they're really they're different, but they're related. So while economics is a piece of our mission, really what the team initiative focuses primarily on financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Now, what we bring to the table is that economics at the most basic level is good decision making. And so we we have a spin on all things that we teach financial literacy. I mean, we say that uh, personal finance is just applied economics, so to speak. But in the classroom, it can look so many different ways. Um, one, there is a standalone personal finance course that is taught at high schools around the state. It's an elective. Um, and so if a child were to sign up for that class, they would get a whole semester of personal finance, but that's not always possible. So we also are working with math teachers. How do you teach math using financial literacy problems? Um, And then, of course, it looks completely different at the elementary school level. We might use children's literature to teach personal finance. So you might find that inside of their their reading curriculum. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to lose this, and that is that we are currently working with the Mississippi Department of Education on a class called College and Career Readiness. It has a nice piece of financial literacy in it. It's a year-long course, and it will be piloted for the first time in the 18-19 school year being required for all of the current eighth graders. So if you're an eighth grade student right now, by the time you graduate from high school, you will have had this course. So starting with that cohort of students going all the way Uh. back, we'll be able to say that the students in Mississippi are all receiving financial literacy education before high school graduation. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, if you could maybe give us an idea of, you know, maybe some like the types of concepts that you can teach Again, maybe elementary, middle school, high school kids. Obviously, it, gets, it can get more complicated and more involved as the kids get older. But uh, starting in elementary school, what are the types of things that uh, the teachers are trying to teach kids about financial literacy? We're teaching spending, saving, budgeting. Um, even a first grader can get the fact that they may receive $5 for an allowance and that that $5 has to either be spent or save. Those are the only two things you can do with money, right? Or invest. Um, <laughs> when you get bigger, you're not going to invest $5, but you might save $5. Um, but I'll give you some examples. We had the state finance challenge last week. And so we had children from all over the state that came to Jackson, uh, middle school and high school students. And the middle schoolers had a case study where they were advising a friend. They had a friend who had a job and they had all of her expenses that she generally had on a monthly basis, and they also knew that she had a savings goal. So they were tasked with advising the student on, their friend rather, on 
what does she do with her money each month? Where can she save? Look at where are her expenses? Are they wants? Are they needs? I was so amazed at their ability to come out on the other side of that case study with a recommendation for their friends. Now, the high school students had a case study where they were actually a financial advisor. And so they had the picture of a family a mom, a dad, three kids, all of the details about their finances um, and had to come out on the other side with a financial plan that would be effective for that family. And that included insurance, uh, saving for retirement, for college. So um, if, a, if a teacher were to be listening or a teacher heard about this, how do they get involved? How do they get the, the, the education to then teach this to their students? Our organization provides professional development all through the year um, and around the state. Some of it's online, some of it's in person. So our website is mscee.org. And if you were to go there, you can look and see what workshops we currently have um, scheduled. And also they can Sign up for our weekly email, which is What's Up Wednesday. It's on the homepage of our website. They can sign up there, and they'll always be in the know. You mentioned teachers, but it's also important, I think, that parents that care about this stuff talk to their children's teachers about this stuff. Um, Because a lot of times we know our educators can be overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities that they have. Um, But when a teacher, um, when a parent takes an interest in making sure that their child is exposed to this at school, sometimes that's all that needs to happen at the school level for the school to buy in. We're visiting with uh, Selena Schwartzfeger, president of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Uh, we've got some open phone lines if you have a personal finance question. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Also this hour, we're visiting with Selena Schwartzfeger, President of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. April is Financial Literacy Month, so we're uh, talking a little bit about the work uh, that the Council does uh, to prepare teachers who then pass along that knowledge to students about uh, being financially literate. Uh, We're also looking for your personal financial 
comments, questions, as we do each week, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 You can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Roger is on the line from Florence. Good morning, Roger. Go ahead, please. Hi, Roger. Are you with us? Mm. All right. Put it back on hold, see if we can't get Roger on the air. Um, uh, in the meantime, uh, maybe, uh, Selena, if you have some maybe some other success stories uh, that the council has as it relates to increasing financial literacy of, of Mississippi teachers and students. Sure. Um, we have a teacher in uh, Coahoma, um, which is a very depressed part of our state, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's in the Delta area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher's name, and I don't think he would mind me bragging on him, is Larry Lewis. Um, and he has, he's totally bought in, you know, to what it is that we're teaching. And so he has a group of young men that he started with in seventh grade and started getting there ready for the finance challenge. And so they came to the finance challenge. We've talked about the fact that we do teacher Workshops, but we also have student competitions so that there's a way for teachers to go back and engage their their students in, in a competition. So they came as seventh graders um, and they won first place in their division for the for the finance challenge. And then they came back as eighth graders and competed in a more competitive division and won second place. Um, and each time these students compete and win, they're being rewarded with college scholarships. So that also is a really nice piece of our mission is not only to make sure kids are financially literate, but to help them get to college. Um, I got an email from Mr. Lewis um, earlier in the school year to tell me that one of these young men had already scored over a 30 on his ACT. And so we're just, it's not all about us. You know, there are lots of other things going on in the lives of these young men, but Good stuff is going to happen. Well, and good teachers. Yes. Good teachers. That's yeah. right. And that's really all it takes is yeah. a teacher who wants to teach the material because the kids love it. I mean, who doesn't love learning about money? I, that usually is the hook yeah. for all of them, especially, you know, if it's, it, a plain math problem suddenly gets a lot more excited if we're talking dollars and cents. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryder and I often are asked by Mr. Rush Sweeney out yes, of Northwest Rankin yes, to come is. out and talk to his students right. as they prepare for the stock market game. And then just this last Friday, we went to a group that were um, associated with a youth Rotarian yes. conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of them in that group have participated in the stock market game. That's great news. Yeah. You know, the stock market game is one of our programs. And Rush Sweeney is um, a master teacher of economics. Mm-hmm. He's one of of our Econ Teachers of the Year. He had a team that won the Econ Challenge uh, two weeks ago. Awesome. So, yeah, he, he also is a superstar, and he's actually on our faculty as well, and I'm happy to hear that he's... And, and I will say, the first time I went out there, because I have had, uh, you know, I teach on a college level. Yes. And um, it was a totally different experience right. on a high school level. Um, they were in many ways much sharper because mm-hmm. they were thinking more outside the box. They weren't already tunnel visioned. Right. Um, and the other thing I found, which gave, which gave me really uh, a lot of respect for those high school teachers is, you know, my college students are, you know, quickly writing notes and what is it I'm supposed to do? The high school students are sitting back going, 
okay, bring it on, lady. Yeah. You know, <laughs> entertain me. Yes. Keep it going for an hour. I was sweating. <laughs> well, that's a great service, though, that you do for the high school students to expose them to um, your level of expertise. And Usually the only way they're going to get that is if the teacher has a relationship with someone like yourself, you know, and asks. Yeah, he bugs us like yeah. crazy until we show up. <laughs> uh, we've got Roger back on the line from Florence. Uh, good morning, Roger. You're on the air. Good morning. I know that you folks, uh, and by the way, thank you for your good service, and it's exciting to hear about the school programs. Uh, and you're not advocating or advertising for Dave Ramsey. No, but I'm not. <laughs> he, but he is an advocate of, of uh, well, he would say that someone made a mistake uh, a few minutes ago when they said there are only two things you can do with money as a five-year-old, I think it was. You right. can also give it to charity, can't you? Yes. Yes. I think that's really important for a public radio uh, option to provide. Uh, some families, you could say, some families would encourage your children to do that first, pick a portion, and then uh, save some as a second uh, priority, and then spend the rest. And I do so not. I, I do not argue with you at all on that. Well, I I promote that because even with small children, I think they need to be instilled with the idea it's not just all about them. Right. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to correct the statement. <laughs> two things. Okay. Thanks. For Thank, you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the call, Roger. Uh, that, this. Go ahead. That's definitely something we've promoted before, and as well, I think in Mississippi, we're consistently one of the most charitable states. We are so charitable. Um, it's amazing. So, you know, Roger, I mean, he, you know, this is this is the place for it. Yeah. We, we, we do know and we do care. Uh, and, you know, it is Financial Literacy Month. We've been talking about uh, educating school kids, but also I think we all could benefit from that. And so uh, seeing that Dave Ramsey's name got brought up, uh, just a couple of uh, resources that you might uh, check into uh, in terms of financial literacy. Of course, Piggy Planet, uh, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. It's the book that uh, Nancy and Ryder are co-authors of that, and Susan uh, and Susan uh, either of you two if you could remind us again sort of the the thrust and, and the the target audience on on that book yeah so that it, it covers it covers specific financial topics so it's organized by topic so you have a question about retirement you have a question about your new job you have a question about college or buying a house it's got a chapter dedicated to that and it's really targeted at um, younger folks uh, college young professionals um, who might have a lot of these questions, uh, but can really be a, a refresher for anybody who's just moving through life and just, you know, needs to remember, needs to be reminded, you know, how should I be treating my 401k or something like that? And also, Roger mentioned Dave Ramsey's written a number of books. A couple of them are Financial Peace and the Total Money Makeover. And also, economists uh, Stephen D. Levitt and journalist Stephen Dunbar uh, are the ones behind Freakonomics, and there is also a podcast by that same name. So just a and, couple and I of will say um, I take issue with some of the things from Dave Ramsey. I don't think he's practical in a lot of cases. Um, I had someone say to me that Dave Ramsey says you shouldn't have a credit score. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. Uh, that you should pay cash for a car. Most people cannot do that. Um, so we're much more practical. And I think you have to be practical with people because if you go to the extreme, then they just immediately say, I can't do that. I can't go there. And they don't even try. You know, one thing that I'll say about that. And Nancy, I agree with you. Um, 
is that um, a lot of financial literacy, though, is behavioral, like behavior modification to get out of debt, to decrease your spending. So he's very good at, at that piece, you know, trying to get you to think about what your behaviors are. But yeah, I mean, who can, most people can't pay they cash can't for that. a car. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, are we doing a disservice, especially to our young people, if we're not talking about how you borrow money? You know, when my... Um, well, that's very important is to teach them how to handle credit. Right. Uh, because most of us have to do that. And even if you really don't need the loans, you know, you can't really function in today's society without a credit card. Right. Right. When my um, now 24-year-old was 17 and he wanted a car, it was a used car, but new to him. Um, and I had I told him, I said, I'll match your spending. So whatever you spend, dollar for dollar, I'll match it. Well, I had the cash to pay my half, but he didn't. So we took him to the bank and I co-signed on a loan for him. He had a job, so I knew that he would have income coming in. And you knew where he lived. I knew where he lived and I told him. <laughs> If he didn't make his payments every month, that that car would very soon disappear from our driveway. <laughs> but, Mom is a fierce debt yeah. collector. <laughs> That's right. But it allowed him, as a 17-year-old, to go to a bank to understand That's a great experience. what a relationship with a mm-hmm. banker looks like, to not be intimidated about using your, your financial institutions. And I'd like to say it was the beginning of of really good behavior for him. He's 24 now, um, living on his own. And I I think that I probably taught him a couple of things about proper financial management uh, in his younger days. You know, one thing we mentioned several different books. And so I would, you know, my suggestion to anybody would be don't buy the lightest book and feel that you have to follow everything in that book by the letter. It it can be suggestions. There can be things that might work for your situation. Other things might not. Uh, There might be another book that you could get some uh, information from. I know a a personal and this is kind of a tangent, but uh, the book Inner Tennis is uh, supposed to be a new approach to playing tennis. And I've mentioned that I play. I read through it. It was an interesting book. Not everything in there helps me out, but there were some things that I picked up on uh, that I'm trying to use to improve my game. So I think that would be the, the proper approach when you see any kind of resources involved in personal finance is get what you can out of them, but don't feel like you have to adhere to everything in a particular book or website, that sort of thing. Well, um, I always tell my students there are two pieces to um, building wealth. And the first piece is what you talked about, the behavior modification, which is the discipline. You know, you have to spend less and save more. And the second piece, which you can get from reading books, studying online, taking courses, is learning, developing the knowledge about investments and securities. And when you can put those two pieces together, you can really build wealth. Um, Selena, earlier we were talking about uh, some of the programs that, that the council has, and you talked about how uh, the stock market game and then the other the other challenges involved. And, you know, much like in personal finance, when you start saving and you go six months and you look at your savings account or your emergency fund and it's got all that money, you feel good because there's some success that you can build on. And I guess especially in the classroom, it's important to not only just have the learning, but to let these kids get in some sort of situation that feels like it's real life so that they can, too, kind of build on successes. That's right. And so now I'll get on my soapbox, which is um, everything that we do for teachers and students is done at no cost because we've got fabulous sponsors around the state and grant funding and things of that nature that allow us to remove those barriers for teachers and students. So um, 
we offer four, five competitions during the year. Two of which, um, one is the economics challenge and one is the finance challenge. And I've kind of talked about those a little bit already. But students and teachers had the ability to compete in that competition three times during the year. There's an online opportunity every October, every December, every March. I don't understand why every economics teacher out there is not having their students compete in the economics challenge and why every teacher who's doing some sort of financial literacy education in the classroom is not engaging in the finance challenge. Now, we have really good numbers. Um, We are actually nationally, I just pulled the numbers down yesterday, um, either third or fourth nationally on the both competitions for numbers of students that participate in these competitions. So it's not that we're not doing well compared to our peers, but I just see so much more potential. There's so many more young people out there that could have this opportunity. Um, So if you don't remember anything else from this conversation today other than this, it would be um, encourage your children's teachers to take advantage of these opportunities. There is no cost, and there are even cash prizes and scholarships that are awarded to the top performing teams. Um, We have the stock market game, which can be done completely in the classroom. There's no travel associated. Nancy, you look Um, like... Well, I was just going to say, I know there's also the push for entrepreneurship. Yes. And we have some really great stories of um, uh, teachers who are able to really spark some interest in students because they can now see, I can create my own business. I can figure out how to feed myself along the way. And we can look at the longer arc and know that we're going to be seeing more and more of us will be working in our own small businesses along the way. And especially for Mississippi, where we don't have as many opportunities for bigger companies to work for somebody else, to figure out how to create your own business is amazing. And, you know, we picked up that entrepreneurship piece because we felt it was the perfect way to teach economics and personal finance. What better way than to be your own, to be an owner of your own business? And so um, this is not our program, but once we train the teacher, then there's a program called the SEP, the Southern Entrepreneurship Program. It's run by the center director at the University of Southern Mississippi um, Center for um, Economic and Entrepreneurship Education. And it is just that. It is a competition where there are actually two divisions, but one is for students who have already started their businesses. So they're presenting business plans for businesses that are in operation. And then there's a separate category for students that have a dream, you know, and they want to do something that haven't done it yet. Um, and there are also cash prizes associated with that, which a student could turn around and, and reinvest in their business. But uh, we've been working over the past year with the Mississippi Development Authority Entrepreneur Center to figure out uh, how to get people, as they say, from cradle to grave in this entrepreneurial journey that they may go on and um, it's a challenge there are some holes that we found you know we work with teachers that are middle and high school and then the colleges oftentimes have right. degrees in because entrepreneurship. Because now um, Mississippi College has just started a degree in right. entrepreneurship. We have an entrepreneurship center yes. and the idea being that it would be an incubator yes. and that you would launch businesses from there. So we have a little gap between when a student graduates from high school um, and then perhaps when they go to college or if they don't go to college, we may have a gap there. Um 
but some of our students are going to community colleges, mm-hmm. and I think we've identified there's a gap there as well at some of the community colleges. So what we recognize is there is a lot of opportunity for our people to be entrepreneurs. Let's take one final break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our guest today is Selena Schwartzfeger, president of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. April is Financial Literacy Month, so today we're visiting with Selena Schwartzfeger, President of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. We've been talking about uh, training teachers to train students uh, to become more financially literate. Uh, Also, you know, this sort of thing, uh, we talked about it going on through all levels of schooling, but uh, even out of school as adults, uh, we can still increase our financial literacy. Um, Nancy, what might be some suggestions for adults looking to be more financially literate? Well, I think you can look for continuing education courses at your local college or community college that you can sign up and learn uh, through that avenue. There's certainly a lot of online resources. Uh, also, just go pick up a book and begin reading and, um, and, and look for some way of just improving your knowledge about finance, um, whether it's just looking at how does insurance work, how can I can better spend my money on my insurance coverage, to how do I uh, invest my 401k, that's a big one for most of us these days. And it's really important. It has a huge impact on your entire life. And also, uh, I know that our HR department uh, worked with uh, one of the banks here in town, and we've been having a financial literacy seminar once a month. Uh, it's a, about an hour and a half, and, you know, it's a presentation with the questions and answers and that sort of thing. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff I think maybe some of us know, but it, certainly with something as important as managing your finances, if, if you know, if it, it, some of us are thick-headed, so if it gets beaten into your head over and over and over again eventually, and I'm a, a, a case study of this, Eventually, this this does begin to seep in. So, uh, if you've been not having success uh, with with saving and that sort of thing, just just keep at it because eventually the light bulb will go on in your head. And and once you start saving and getting rid of debt, it's it's amazing how feels great. Doesn't right, it? it's very liberating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Kevin, you know, they say you have to hear something at least five times, seven times, something like that uh, before it really sinks in and you know it. 
um, so what you're saying makes perfect sense to keep availing yourself to opportunities and keep hearing that same message over and over again. Um, so you had mentioned uh, the treasurer, state treasurer's, uh, the team initiative. Uh, where could go, people go to find out more information and, and resources about that? Right. So she has a website, and it's treasurerlinfitch.ms.gov, which is a little long, but I guarantee you if you just Google Treasurer Lynn Fitch, then the link will come up. And there is uh, there's a link on her webpage for some adult EverFi modules, and they're they're very effective. I can't recall exactly what the topics are of the two that she has up there, but that would be a great place to start as well. Um, it's online. It's no cost. Um, once again, that's treasurerlinfitch.ms.gov. Um, and then I'll just like to remind everybody, our website, um, although most of the things that we promote as you know from listening today, are geared towards teachers. That doesn't mean that they're not good for just our general adult population. And on our website, under resources, I believe we've got a link to a parent guide for financial fitness for life. And there's one for elementary and then one for middle and high school that if you're a parent and you want to start working with your children, and our website is msceee.org. Uh, but again, I, we've not touched on that, but that's really an important part is, you know, the kids can be learning about all this in school, but if they're not seeing and maybe some sort of something also going on at home, or if they see something similar going on at home, it certainly reinforces it. So uh, a good way for parents to get involved. And again, you know, I'm not calling every parent thick-headed, but again, it you know, it helps to uh, to get that message repeated. No, they're over just busy. <laughs> they're busy. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day, it wasn't okay to talk about finances at home. I, I think that's the era that I grew up in. And so if you're a child of that environment, you really have to be told it's okay to talk to your kids about money. We've got one final call. Jim's called in from Savannah. Jim, we're a bit pressed for time, so if you could be brief. Yes, I'm calling in reference to a position I held a while back where I was instructing young males, 18 to 65, in a prison setting. And it turned out that 85% of those prisoners came out of a single-parent home headed up by a mother. The other aspect of what it was, 30% of them had never completed high school, which put them in a competitive disadvantage when it came to initial employment and possibly led to their uh, present uh, problem uh, with the criminal justice system. Uh, the other aspect of it was, uh, being a young males, the options really were for, uh, I say, disadvantaged males, the military, which I'm a product of, the prison system, and uh, college, usually junior college, if at all. And uh, my observation working with them was uh, that uh, they were quite normal. Most of them wanted to marry a girl. But the girls were indentured servants with student loans and, uh, you know, it's the limited probability of employment based on the selection of majors uh, that they had in college. Uh, with that, I 
stop lecturing and I'll listen. Well, it is true that uh, it's important when you talk about college that you choose the right majors and the right college so you can get a job. All right. That's going to wrap us, up, uh, wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Jay White. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Ryder Taff, and Selena Schwartzfeger, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.